Let's try that again. Morning, church. Everybody doing okay? All right, let's get started. I don't know if you've ever done a Google search on this or not. There's over 3,200 people mentioned in the Bible. 3,200 Bible characters. And so I did a search for the top 10 Bible characters. Here's what one search found. Paul, Joseph, Solomon, Abraham, Aaron, Saul. Not Saul the Paul, Saul the King Saul. Jacob, Moses, David, and Jesus. So, those are the top ten. We're in a study called Favorite Bible Characters, Favorite Bible Stories, and I want to do one that's in the top ten, one of my favorites. Um, Maybe one of your favorites as well. One of my favorite stories, maybe one of your favorite stories as well. I'm going to talk about David. David. Now, our journey with David begins in 1 Samuel 16. If you start reading in 1 Samuel 16, the king at the time is Saul, one of the people that was mentioned. Saul sins, God rejects him, and we need a new king. And so, somewhat shockingly, God chooses David. I say shockingly because David's just a boy, just a teenage boy. And so Samuel, the prophet, does what God says and He goes to the house of Jesse to see all of Jesse's sons. And Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah and the other seven sons are paraded in front of Samuel. And each of those gets the rejection nod. Here's what we read. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There's so many lessons from David David and Goliath. So we're going to have to breeze through, but isn't that a great statement? Man looks at outward, the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and Shammah, but the Lord did not choose them. Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel, but the Lord didn't choose any of them. So Samuel said, is this it? Is that all the sons you have? And Jesse replied, they're still the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him, we'll wait. So Jesse sent for David and had him brought in. He was ready with a fine appearance and handsome features. Now... Um, last week, Thurman, I appreciate Thurman filling in, Thurman said, put yourself in this story. So I put myself in this story in fine appearance and handsome features. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're reading through the Bible and you read a story and you're like, "I, I can fit right in here. Come on, it's Father's Day. Just give me a... And the Lord said to Samuel, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So David shows up, and Samuel anoints him. And he's going to be the next king, and he's still just tending sheep. Still just a boy, still just a teenage boy tending sheep. Meanwhile, Saul is troubled, because the Lord has already rejected him, and the Spirit of the Lord left him, and he tells his attendants, Can you find someone who plays the harp well and bring him to me? Here's what we read. 
One of the attendants says, I've seen a son of Jesse who knows how to play the harp. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man. I just, they keep fitting me in this story. I just, y'all aren't having near as much fun with this as I am. Key phrase, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sends for David, and David plays the harp to soothe his soul. And Saul likes him, and Saul becomes, Saul wants him to become one of his armor bearers. And David remains in service to the king. And then we flip the page from 1 Samuel 16 to 17, and we flip the page in history, enter a giant named Goliath from Gath. And this is one of my favorite stories. This must have been a very moving scene. I see it as a very moving scene. I mean, my adrenaline gets pumping just starting to talk about this scene. This event in history takes place in the Valley of Elah. Here's what we read. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, and the Israelites occupied the other hill with the Valley of Elah between them. So for 40 days, the Israelites would gather their forces. And if this is the Valley of Elah, the Israelites would line up on this side, form up the line for battle, shout their battle cry. And for the same 40 days, the Philistines would line up on this side of the Valley of Elah. And they would shout their battle cry. And they would line up for war. And for 40 days, a champion named Goliath from Gath would come out and echo his challenge. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects. This day I defy the ranks of Israel. This giant, depending on what commentary you read, was between 9 and maybe 11 feet tall. He's huge. His armor alone weighed over 100 pounds. His spear alone probably weighed 15 pounds. That stuff alone probably weighed way more than David as a teenage boy. And for 40 days, whenever the Israelites would see this giant, they would run in fear. And for 40 days, every morning and every night, 80 times, 80 times, they went through the motions of war. Maybe that describes you today. Maybe you're just going through the motions. Going through the motions of church. Going through the motions of Christianity. Going through the motions of following God. Going through the motions of life. Just going through the motions. The Bible says for 40 days, the Israelites were terrified. And for 40 days, the Philistines said, You can't win. And for 40 days, the Israelites said, We can't win. 
And for 40 days, Goliath said, you can't win. And for 40 days, King Saul said, we can't win. For 40 days, twice a day, 80 times, they went through the motions of war. Now, back to Jesse and his boys. His three oldest boys were in that Israelite army. Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. And they needed some food. So Jesse called David in from tending sheep and said, You need to take some food to your brothers. And David loaded up the supplies and he reached camp just in time to see the men assemble for battle and listen to their battle cry and listen to Goliath and watch these grown men run in fear as they went through the motions of war. And then in 1 Samuel 17, 26, I think the first recorded words of David in the Bible, he said, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Pretty strong words for a man. Very strong words for a teenage boy. Here's what he's told. In 1 Samuel 17, the king will give great wealth, daughter in marriage, exempt from taxes. David said, I'm in. He's ready to take on this giant. He's ready to fight this giant. He's ready to remove this disgrace. Here's the deal. When you decide to fight for the Lord, age doesn't matter, gender doesn't matter, height doesn't matter, skin color doesn't matter, having a college degree doesn't matter, where you were born doesn't matter, appearance doesn't matter. When you decide to fight for the Lord, the Lord will choose you. I've got some questions. What kind of What kind of king would allow a boy to fight a man's battle? What kind of brothers would allow their baby brother to fight this battle? What kind of army of men would allow this boy to go out before this giant? What kind of teenage boy would say, I'll go fight him. What kind of soldier would go to war without a coat of armor? What army of God would go through the motions of war and run in fear? Wow. If you haven't read, here's the rest of the story. David's oldest brother, Eliab, he's just mad that David shows up. What are you doing here? Maybe you can relate to that. What are you doing here? Saul learns that someone's willing to fight. And he sends for David for whatever reason. He, for whatever reason, he's going to let David go fight this fight. He tries to dress him in the king's armor, but it's too big. David goes to war. David goes to war with no armor, with his bare hands, with a slingshot, with five smooth stones he grabs along the way, and he approaches Goliath. Here's what we read. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. 
I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. Wow. You kind of wonder what Goliath's response was, but you can read it. He's like, am I a dog that you're going to throw sticks at me? What are you doing sending this boy? I kind of wonder, I just wonder, if he's thinking the way David comes out. You know, when you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says the people listened because Jesus spoke as one who had authority. I, I, I'm kind of wonder if Goliath is thinking the way this kid just talked, he kind of has some authority. But he probably wasn't intimidated by David. David and Goliath both run towards each other, and you know, David reaches into his bag, and he slings, it lands in the forehead. Uh, Goliath goes to the ground, and David runs over and stands over this giant. This kid stands over this giant and takes the giant's sword. Who knows how much that weighs? And he takes the giant's own sword and cuts off his head and delivers that to King Saul. And he defeats Goliath, and the Israelites defeat the Philistines that day. So I've got some observations. We're talking about favorite Bible stories, so here's some observations. Number one, I want you to remember the focus of this story. This is not a story about David. This is not a story about Goliath. This is not a story about the Israelite army. This is not a story about the Philistines. This is a story about God. And how great God is. And what God can do when you put your faith in God and how God wants to work through us. Listen, folks. Moses had a staff. Samson had a jawbone. Rahab had a string. Mary had some ointment. Aaron had a rod. Dorcas had a needle. And David had a sling and some stones. And God has given each one of us some gift, some talent to be used for Him to give Him glory. Listen, David wasn't chosen because he was strong. He wasn't chosen because he was fine-looking or a brave man. He wasn't chosen because he was a musician. He wasn't chosen because he could speak well. David didn't defeat Goliath. He didn't defeat Goliath with a slingshot and a stone. He didn't defeat Goliath because he was a good shot. He didn't defeat Goliath because he had faith. David didn't defeat Goliath. God did. David was chosen because he was defending God and wanted to remove this disgrace. David was chosen because he had faith in God who would deliver him and give him victory. David was chosen because God saw his heart, because God looks at the inside and not the outside. And David answered that call. This is a story about God. Number two, observation number two. I want you to remember the focus of David. I said, this is a kid in a man's war. I mean, this isn't a schoolyard rumble. This isn't a barroom brawl. This is war. But I want you to remember his focus. 
David wants to remove this disgrace from Israel. This giant is making God's army, God's people, God look bad. Why? Because nobody's fighting. Everybody runs in fear. And David's focus was all about God. He's fighting for God. He's not fighting for David. He's not fighting for any personal agendas. He's not fighting because this is what he wants to get done. This fight, again, is not about David. It's not about the army of God. This fight's not about any personal agenda. This fight is about God, and his focus is on God. He says in 1 Samuel 17, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. All the Israelites could see, all the Israelite army could see was the giant. All David saw was God. That's where his focus was. Number three, I want you to remember where your focus needs to be. Maybe you've been facing some giants this week. Maybe you fought some giants in your lifetime. Giants can be overwhelming. Whether those giants are bills or finances or money issues or relationships or people or addictions, all I know is it's easy to take your focus off God if your focus is on your giants. This story reminds me of the song we sing, The battle belongs to the Lord. So why don't you ask the Lord to fight for you? That's where your focus needs to be. Listen, this giant kept coming back for 40 days, morning and evening, 80 times, which tells me our giants, your giants, are going to keep coming back. Giants don't take breaks. Giants aren't scared. Maybe you wake up every morning thinking about whatever your giant is. Maybe you put your head on your pillow at night thinking about who your giant is. Listen, again, when David shows up, no one's thinking about God. No one's talking about God. The rest of the army has majored in Goliath. David majors in God. Think about this. If you keep track of the God thoughts, David has nine. If you think of the Goliath thoughts, David has two. His God thoughts are four times the Goliath giant thoughts. How does that compare to you? How does that compare to your giants, your circumstances in life? Do you think four times the God thoughts than you do the giant thoughts? Listen, Goliath may have been the best thing that ever happened to David. Think about it. This giant catapulted David into leadership. This giant probably made David's faith even stronger. This giant was an opportunity for David to show who God was. Just like your giants. You can show people not your giants... Don't focus on your giants. Show people how God is defeating your giants. Let me give you two bonus observations. I wrote down to the Belton Church, you have fought some giants over the years. 
you've fought some giants in the last 100 plus years. You've fought some giants in the last 20 plus years. You've fought some giants in the last 7 plus years. And I'm going to tell you, you have come out stronger because you're a very resilient church. So as we go through a transition, as I'm leaving and the next person comes, keep fighting those giants, the giants of change. Don't focus on the giants. Continue to focus on God, because the battle belongs to God, and that's where the emphasis needs to be. One more observation on this Father's Day. You know, to have a faith in God, David's faith didn't just show up on this day. No doubt Jesse has instilled a faith in him and taught him about God and raised him to believe in God. So, fathers, maybe the best way you can honor God is to instill in your children a strong faith. Use the circumstances of life to teach your children. Use the challenges of life to teach your children. Use the giants in life to teach your children about God. And their faith won't just show up one day. It will be instilled in them. I stand here today and I live here today because of the faith that my dad instilled in me. He raised me to believe in God and he showed me God and he taught me God and he lived an example of what it means to Live for God. So fathers, on this Father's Day, remember, David's faith didn't just show up. David's faith had been instilled. Let's pray.